Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm at the Walt Disney World Resort. I'm doing a little uh, video work for my uh, Lost and Found in Walt Disney World series. And I'm also visiting the Food and Wine Festival. Figured I'd come out here and get a little time in to visit Food and Wine and have a little fun. And I'd also uh, check in on all the construction that's happening, because there is rather a lot of construction. So I'll start off in Epcot, where I walked over to what's going to be the Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, interesting. It's a very interesting thing they're doing there. At this point, what they've done is they've taken uh, the inside of the building entirely and gutted it. You can stand in the front of the building and look straight through. The walls are pretty high, but if you're back at a distance, you can actually see through the building. So they've taken the solar panels off the top. They've taken the uh, mirrored faces off the front, and uh, it uh, looks completely different, and it's kind of sad, but uh, that's progress for you. They're also building up the uh, big building in the back uh, where they're going to have part of the roller coaster. Now, I did hear uh, something this week that they filed for a patent and uh, received it on a new sort of ride technology. It's going to be the largest indoor roller coaster. And when they do the roller coaster, what they're going to do is they're going to use the induction charging they already had there to continue to charge the vehicles so that they don't have to do anything else with them. Then they can go around the, uh, the roller coaster, but the vehicles themselves will be able to rotate. So it's a more unique sort of experience. So at some points, they'll actually leave the roller coaster and go through parts of it, I think, similar to the way that uh, you do the um, Tower of Terror. And then at some points, it'll be back on the roller coaster and going around. So that way, you can adjust the view, have you doing different things and looking at, looking at things, and uh, you can actually experience, experience it as you go around. I'm like, whoa, what a cool idea. Though it's lost on me because I don't do roller coasters. So I'm kind of like, well, I'm kind of, a, you know, I kind of feel bad about that because I would like to see it and I'd like to uh, experience it, but I simply can't. That's just not something I can do. So unfortunately, that will be lost on me, but it looks really cool anyway. My first dish of the day was the Impossible Burger. It's a slider. So it's a little small, but I had never tried the Impossible Burger before. <clears throat> but I had never tried the Impossible Burger before. I love the uh, Beast Burger. It's a uh, it's a Beyond Meat product that's a really pretty good substitute for a hamburger. And um, this one was good, but I didn't think it was quite as good. I'm willing to try it again to see if I like it. But um, the texture was good, but didn't have the same flavor as the other one. So we'll see. I'll try it again another time uh, outside of the, uh, this event. And the second dish I tried was seared scallops. Those were really good with a corn succotash. Really tasty, very nice dish. I liked it a lot. <clears throat> the next couple of dishes I tried, first was the uh, lamb chop. And I found it to be really tasty. I've had it before. And I really like what they do with it. They have a mint pesto they put on it. And uh, some crunchies that are really just like potato chips. But they put them on and it's always really, really good. The only thing was this time I found the lamb piece, the actual uh, lamb chop, 
to be a little bit on the small side for the price point, but all in all, it was a pretty good dish. The next one was the uh, Brazilian uh, fish stew called Mokeka. And uh, I make a version of this at home, and I love my version. I wanted to see what they had to see how it was different and uh, if mine was better or compare or if maybe I could modify mine a little bit. And theirs was just okay. It has a um, coconut lime sauce on it. And I use both coconut and lime in mine, but it has more depth of flavor. It has tomatoes and coconut and lime, and it's just, it's got so much depth to the flavor. This was one note, and it was good, no question, but it wasn't the same as what I do at home. So I was a little disappointed. Not that it was bad, but uh, just that I like mine better. And by the way, don't judge. You know, just because I had four dishes, don't judge me. No, seriously. I'm here for a couple of days, and I'm spreading it out between the day... I have some for lunch, some for dinner, so it's uh, it's not so bad to eat as much as I'm eating. Just to be clear about that. So I just got a uh, roast duck in the bell bun. Really, really good. I love duck anyway, so that was really good. And then I uh, got a boba tea. It's a mango boba tea this year. Really good. Very tasty. I'm enjoying this very much. Mm, nice way to spend the day. And by the way, as I was drinking my boba tea... I had um, two or three people ask me about it. Two people asked me where I got it. They go, oh, boba tea, nice, where'd you get it? And one person was like, what is that? It looks really good. So, yeah, it's a winner. So if you get a chance to get it, even in your own neighborhood, I recommend it. It's always fun. It's a nice milk tea with um, the uh, tapioca pearls in it. It makes it kind of interesting. It gives it a little substance, a little something. And next on the list to try was the hummus fries. It's something I've kind of wanted to try, but ne just never tried. I was going to try making them at home one time and never did. So I'm going to take a bite right now while I'm talking to you. Hmm. Those are pretty good. They taste sort of like, sort of like a falafel, maybe. And the same sort of a thing, where it's made with the same sort of uh, hummus, hummus and chickpeas and so forth and so on. Sort of similar to that. Hmm, pretty good, though. And finally... I wound up having the tuna tataki and the uh, passion fruit uh, cheesecake. Both really good dishes from the Hawaii Pavilion. Totally delicious. So that pretty much wraps up my couple of days of eating here at uh, Epcot's Food and Wine Festival. It gets a little pricey at, you know, 5 to $6 a piece. But, you know, over the course of time, if you're doing it for a couple of days, it kind of works out to be a reasonable price and not totally ridiculous. But you kind of still have to manage it a little bit. Otherwise, you wind up spending way, way, way too much. So I did have a chance to ride Spaceship Earth. I know that it's going to be closing at the end of next year. And while I probably will have a chance to ride it again, I might as well take advantage of the opportunity now. So I uh, wanted to make sure I did that. Of course, I had to ride on Soren. Can't miss that. And since I was there, you know, living with the land is pretty good anyway. So that's always entertaining. That's fun. A uh, couple of observations for you. I noticed um, that the gondola construction is well underway, going between, I guess it's the uh, Pop Century Resort all the way up to the studios then over to Epcot. Uh, all the stanchions appear to be in place. Looks like they're ready to start running cable at this point. So that's kind of interesting and exciting. I want to see how that turns out. And then I keep hearing rumors about additional DVC space that they want to uh, put in. And one would be over in the uh, space that's currently used for Disney's Contemporary on the uh, south side where they have the uh, courtyard rooms that are outside the main tower. On the north side is the Bay Lake Towers and the rumor is that they want to put another tower like the Bay Lake Towers on the other end of the Contemporary. We'll see if they actually do it or not, but I'm like, well, I guess it could be. 
Maybe. And then there's also the rumor of a DBC site that would be where River Country used to be. So that's sort of between uh, the Wilderness Lodge and Fort Wilderness. So we'll see if they actually do that too, but I think that's probably a strong likelihood that space could be used and it's on the water and, you know, what else do you need there? So it seems like an opportunity for them to actually put something there. So we'll see if they actually come through with any of those, but it certainly looks like those are possibilities. And then on the other part of that, kind of on the another piece to that puzzle about DVC, it's interesting that DVC has uh, limited availability at this point. Its resale value is really strong, and people who want to rent the points to actually stay there are unable to get the points a lot of times. It's really strange. The market has been really interesting for this. So Disney is really pushing forward to try and get more space available. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a marketing trick or a ploy, or if they're controlling the market in some way, but certainly seems like there's more and more of that coming. I had a chance to talk to one of the bus drivers as I was going back to uh, one of the hotels, and I was the only person on the bus, so we started a conversation randomly about, you know, just how expensive it is to stay at Disney these days, given DVC and everything else. And, you know, he certainly feels it, and he's looking at it, and he's like, I know what people pay, I understand it, I get it, and you don't want anybody to be upset while they're here. And I'm like, exactly. So how do you keep that up? You know, as more and more people come, and it stays more and more crowded... How do you make sure that people are always happy? I don't know. I don't know how they do that. But I guess they'll figure it out along the way. So, interesting thought. So, as I was walking into Epcot this morning, couldn't help but notice there were like 16 people standing around, all wearing Disney name tags, and all holding blueprints. They were standing by Spaceship Earth, and they were talking about posts that would be going different places and things that were going to be going up. So, I can only imagine... They're doing some of the pre-planning for uh, what's going to happen with uh, the Spaceship Earth and sort of the Epcot 2.0. Couldn't tell from the blueprints, couldn't get close enough to actually take a look to see what was going on there. Would have been fun to do, but couldn't actually get close enough to see anything that was going on. But I would guess, based on what I heard and what I could kind of see, that there's some facade changes coming to the front. Uh, As you enter uh, Epcot, that Spaceship Earth will look a little different from the way it looks now. Um, that they're going to put up some different stylizations to make it look different. Uh, So this is a multi-year project. I guess the first part is going to be just starting with the exterior parts and just sort of renovating some of those before they take down the attraction itself and and do the, make changes to the attraction. But always interesting to run into people and, you know, kind of try to eavesdrop a little bit and see what's going on. Maybe you learn something new, maybe something interesting happens. Um, I tried, I tried to get some additional details, but... uh, couldn't get enough to really work from, but I, you know, it, it seems very clear that the project is going forward and there's going to be a lot more happening uh, to Spaceship Earth and the entrance to Epcot. I should also mention two additional things about that group I saw. Number one is none of them were wearing Walt Disney Imagineering name tags. They look different. Uh, they have a different color and they have the, uh, hat, the Mickey's hat on them. Um, and also, I noticed that several of the people were clearly from out of town. And how can you tell they're from out of town? Because they're there and they're not actually working, they're walking around, but they're sweating. You can tell, see, tell some people have some sweat gathering on their shirts and whatever. So you realize that they're from out of town. So it must be people who came in from California to, uh, to uh, supervise the project or get the project started. So, for the last 30 years or so, I've been 
kind of forgetting about the friendship boats. I walk my way around World Showcase, never really thought about them. I see them sometimes, but I never really thought about them, never really considered them. And yet, here they were today, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to ride on one. I haven't ridden on one in forever. So I took the one from Morocco to Canada. It was really nice. It was very pleasant. I had kind of forgotten all about it. It's a pleasant ride. And just wanted to share that, that I did something that I hadn't done in more than 30 years. I just saw something in Epcot I've never seen happen before. I've heard about it, but never actually seen it. So it looked like um, someone got sick. Um, you know, like sick enough where they had to call the paramedics. So the paramedics came and they uh, took the person away. And, you know, they looked like they were okay. So, you know, don't worry too much about that. But the rest of the family, it looked like a father and three kids, was now here at the park by himself <laughs> with the three kids, dealing with the paperwork and dealing with, you know, the fact that I assume his wife was uh, on the stretcher and had left the park. And so he's walking back with some people from the uh, paramedics, the, some paramedics and a manager and a couple of other security people. And I guess, uh, you know, now comes the fun part of figuring out what to do for the rest of their vacation and whatever. Wow. I can't even imagine. I've been so, you know, or we, you tend to see that happen not often, but when it does, it kind of surprises you and makes you remember that, you know, this is just a place where we're all human and uh, you can get sick and something can happen to you. You hope that it doesn't, but certainly it could happen. So one thing I really like seeing are clever t-shirts, and there's a ubiquitous number of them these days. A plethora, if you will. Uh, what I've seen is more and more people getting creative with their t-shirts, especially now that you can design your own, print them at a, a small print shop. It's really kind of nice. So you see all these very clever ones uh, families use to talk about their vacations and so forth, and they, they're really nice. I mean, they're really well thought out. People do some clever things, clever plays on words. I like it. I like seeing that because it, it makes it kind of fun. It puts my little Mickey Mouse t-shirt to shame. Just a standard Mickey's t-shirt that I'm wearing today. But I do have some other ones that are more fun that I've picked up along the way. And I probably should get some more that are even better than that. Just because they're really good. As an observation, something I've noticed. A lot of people are using the uh, My Disney Experience app and the various apps that Disney has put out. And as a result they wind up uh, having their noses down. They're looking at their phones. They're not interacting. They're not participating. They're not playing. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm <clears throat> just noticing it more and more every time I come, that people are so engaged in whatever they're doing on their phone and trying to get the next Fast Pass and figure out when their dinner reservation is, that they're not interacting. They may be having fun, but it's just a different sort of fun, and things are different than they used to be. It's kind of interesting. I don't know what to make of it exactly, uh, but it's kind of a... a an interesting problem that's been created and then the other side of it something I've noticed and I mentioned earlier that uh, some people have more of an expectation and that expectation is really hard to meet and I see some, saw some people around who were getting upset about the most trivial things they'd say something and they'd just be you know, annoyed about something or it was all, all trivial stuff but they'd be getting annoyed about it and they'd be complaining it's because their expectations have been set so high now that it's really hard to meet those expectations as far as activities in the Magic Kingdom, I uh, managed to uh, go on all my favorite attractions. So I went to the Haunted Mansion, the Pirates of the Caribbean, and let me just tell you, the changes they make to the Pirates of the Caribbean, they're good, and they're, they're interesting. I, I miss Paul Frees' voice as the auctioneer, but overall, I kind of like the way they changed it. It, it works. It's, um, it's subtle enough. It, it kind of works. It doesn't, you know, they're not shouting, we want the redhead anymore, and I kind of miss that, but I get it. Um, you know, being a little more politically correct, I, I kind of get it, but... I, I do miss that, uh, the, the way that that uh, flowed before. 
anyway, so that's uh, that's a change. I did get to see, um, did get to ride on the Buzz Lightyear. I, I did get my 999,999 because, well, you know, that's just the way it rolls. And then I uh, also got to ride on the People Mover and, of course, the Jungle Cruise. I always try to make a point of riding the Jungle Cruise. And for me personally, I prefer riding it at night. So that worked out really well that I was able to do it at some point during the evening and uh, be able to see the uh, Jungle Cruise. It's, it's, always a, it's always a good time. Now, I did do one other meal thing that was different that I've never done here. And that was to actually uh, eat the uh, plant-based dog at Casey's Corner. Now, I hadn't eaten in Casey's Corner in probably 25 years. But I went and ate there today and I uh, had the plant-based meal. And um, it, was, it was actually pretty good. I was, found it totally enjoyable. And I would uh, recommend it. A little spicy, um, had a little texture to it. It was more like a sausage than a hot dog. But um, no, no issues. It was all good. I do have to say that not having a parade at night is kind of a weird thing in the Magic Kingdom. I've gotten so used to there being a parade every single night, whether it's Spectrum Magic or the electrical, um, Electric Light Parade, whatever it is, it's just amazing how not having one and uh, taking away from it is kind of a different thing. It just feels different. So I find myself sometimes just wanting to hang out, watch people pass. People watch, basically just have some fun. And one of my favorite places to do that is on uh, Center Street. Well, it's the other half of Center Street, Center Street. Center Street used to be between the Emporium and the stores that were next to it, but they closed it off to expand the Emporium. So on the other side of the street where they have the, um, the people doing the uh, artistry, if you uh, go down that street, there's a couple of tables down at the end, little uh, cafe-type tables, and there's a couple of benches sitting underneath. And it's quiet, and it's relaxing, and it's nice, and it's pleasant, and it's a way to get away from the crowd. You can still kind of see it. And enjoy it and I like to do that once in a while and I'll spend you know half an hour to an hour there just kind of hanging out and just taking it all in and it's kind of awesome in its own way and uh, I don't want it to get too crowded so don't everybody go there at one time but uh, it's it's a lot of fun and I hope you uh, get a chance to check it out on your next visit I always like to say it's not always about the attractions it's not always about the shows it's not always about the food it's about the experience and to me the experience still works even though the price point goes up and more people are you know, trying to take more, it's still nice to be able to sit back and smell the perver- proverbial roses. And in fact, if you go over by the uh, Tomorrowland Terrace, where the, uh, they have the dessert uh, fireworks show usually, there's some roses in there, so you can literally go and smell some roses. Uh, they're just on the other side of the rail, but you can, you can actually take them in. When they've planted them fresh, they always have a nice odor, and you can enjoy them. So there's something to be said for that. Um, so anyway, that's my take. Another way to just kind of kick back and relax a little bit. So I'm in Disney's Animal Kingdom, having a little fun, walking around, enjoying the sights and the scenery, and decided to take a chance on uh, the Flight of Passage. As you know, I've been unable to get a uh, fast pass for it. <clears throat> it's a very difficult one to get, probably the hardest one still in town. And um, just haven't had an opportunity to ride it yet, haven't seen the uh, wait time drop dramatically. I did have, when I was here in, uh, what was it, March? No, it was May, I guess. When I was here in May, there was one day, the, the wait time was lower, but it still wasn't so great. So the lowest wait time I've seen since I've been here is 150 minutes. Not sufficient to be able to, to go on it. Three-hour wait to go on the ride. I hear it's great. It may be worth the three-hour ride, three-hour wait time, but I'm not sure. So I'm thinking I will hold off and wait until my next trip. I'm okay with that. It builds the... the uh, the intrigue a little more. It kind of builds it up in my mind as being something really cool. So eventually I'll get to ride it, but uh, not on this trip again. 
Oh well, I'll keep trying, see if I can make it up here. Maybe next time I'll actually plan my trip in advance, like six months in advance, and do the, uh, get, the, uh, get a fast pass for it on the day that it opens up. <laughs> yeah, like I can A, plan, plan six months in advance, and B, like I would think about getting a fast pass for it. It's just not going to happen. But uh, I'll keep my eyes on it. Eventually I'll get a chance to ride it. That's the way it'll work. And I'm cool with that. So I did have a chance to see the Festival of the Lion King. And that is always a great show. It's just fun. It's high energy. It tells the story of the Lion King. And there's a lot of uh, acrobatics and things that happen. It's one of my favorites in terms of the, the way it comes together on a stage as a stage show. I don't think I'd seen it in this theater before, so it was kind of nice to see it somewhere different. I'd always seen it. I'd seen it in the original theater, then in the enclosed theater that they built, and now here. So it's kind of fun. It's uh, at, in the, at the entrance to Africa. Hard to miss. They show it about you know six or seven times a day. It's kind of awesome. And it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. Always enjoy seeing it. Sadly, the train that goes to Rafiki's Planet Watch is not in service at this time. I had heard they were going to close it at some point because they're going to redo Planet Watch as something else. Uh, so the train is not running right now. And that's kind of sad. I really wanted to catch it one last time before it closed. I knew it was going to at some point, but I guess they've already closed it. So I missed out. What a shame. But maybe they'll reopen it at some point and I can enjoy it again. Okay, so I took the bus over to Hollywood Studios and... Um, <laughs> I have to say that the uh, whole parking situation, bus situation, everything here is crazy. They've got a uh, new, uh, new bus terminal. There's all these uh, barrier walls up. You have to kind of walk around and get half of everything just to get in. It's, uh, it's amazing how much construction is going on here. It's uh, really incredible. And um, so it's uh, a little different. So you got the gondola pretty well underway here. All the stanchions are up. The stations are being constructed. They're still working on it here at the end of Epcot. That's part of the, uh, <laughs> the construction that's going on here. Uh, looks like it's going to land almost right in front of, uh, Ep in front of uh, the studios. And then I guess uh, it's going to land kind of on the other side of Epcot where the, uh, the back entrance is. So it'll be interesting to see how this all comes together once it's up and running. I, I really want to check it out once it's running. I want to see how it goes. So a friend of mine wanted to take a trip up to see, to see Toy Story Land just when it opened. Actually, the weekend it opened. And he made all his plans and made his arrangements and was ready to come up and see it with his son. And um, I didn't ask a lot of questions because I assumed he did some planning. But as it turns out, he didn't plan very much. He just knew it was opening and wanted to come and see it. And so he got up here. And uh, they were staying at, uh, I think, one of the all-star resorts. And they came over. And they were here at just a few minutes before 9, hoping to get in. And uh, the line was out the uh, gate already because they had opened at 7 to resort guests, but he didn't know that. So he was kind of stuck because there was no way they were going to get into Toy Story Land before maybe 11 or 12 o'clock. So it was an interesting experience because he hadn't really thought it through, uh, what was going to happen there and how it was going to work. And he didn't ask me, so, you know, shame on him. Just kidding. Um, things happen. You know, he didn't bother to ask, and that's okay. Uh, so he, he had a lesson learned. So he actually wound up going to guest relations. Wow, that is one loud show. And I don't think the show is all that great, in my personal opinion. That's the, uh, that's the uh, first order troopers doing their little routine. And I don't think it's a great show to begin with. And it's so loud. I mean, it's unbelievably loud. It's like uncomfortable. Loud. Anyway, that's so what I was saying about my friend. Um, he didn't really think it through. So he wound up 
uh, actually complaining. He went to guest relations and he goes, this isn't, this isn't right. I mean, I didn't know you could get in at 7. I didn't know I could do this. It didn't quite work out the way I thought it was going to work out. And they wound up accommodating him by giving him a ticket, uh, ticket to a different park that let him and his family just uh, reuse their ticket, basically, once they got in. They're like, go ahead and uh, you can change parks. And so he went over to, um, I think he said the Magic Kingdom, and they had a great day. They had fun. So he didn't get a chance to see the um, Toy Story Land either. That just didn't, uh, didn't work out for him. So I imagine he'll bring his son back another time. But, uh, you know, that was, um, that was too bad. But that's what happens sometimes. And this is, goes back to, you know, I heard people complaining that they had to wait for the bus, or they had to do this, or they had to do that. Saw so all these people with different um, certificates that allowed them to, uh, uh, you know, get a free popcorn or whatever, because that's, um, you know, that's sort of the trade-off. If somebody's being nice and says, oh, let me just help you out a little bit. That's the way it works. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. All right, so I'm over here near Toy Story Land. The entrance to Pixar Place, we'd walk down the street behind the, uh, uh, when you walk up uh, past where the Art of Animation uh, studio was at the, at the front, um, and that's the launch bay. When you cross past there, you would normally walk down Pixar Place straight down the street where the brick is, and they, they're telling you here to turn right and go into Toy Story Land on the other side. So interesting, they changed the orientation into Toy Story Land here. And then the entrance to uh, Toy Story Midway Mania is now on the other side of the uh, same soundstage. Huh, how funny. See, the flow, of the, the flow of the studio has changed, and that means that when you think about Star Wars Land, the problems that I had with the aesthetics and the way things are laid out probably will change there too. They'll probably just change and have you go around a different way uh, to get into it, so that way you don't have that problem. All right. Oh, there goes the Slinky Dog Dash. It's cute. Looks kind of like maybe Goofy's Barnstormer-ish in terms of its intensity and the way it flows. It's cute, though. Very cute. There's Woody. Hi, Woody. What's, what's going on here? Woody is huge. Very cute way they've done this. So there's Buzz meeting, Buzz breeding. Oh, the place is very crowded. Cute way they've laid it out. But I have to say, it feels like, sort of, kind of, like the, um, like the uh, Dinosaur Land over in um, the Animal Kingdom, with the way it's kind of sparsely laid out and you know just sort of a honky tonk feel of it. So I'm curious to see if people think that too, and they complain about it the same way. So there's the entrance to Toy Story Midway Mania. I see, so it's on this side now. I get it. So you come back on the other side and you walk into it. So it's the other side of the soundstage that you're in. This used to be the backstage area uh, years ago, but now it's the front stage area. <laughs> wow. Okay. So the entrance to Toy Story Midway Mania is there, and they have some Midway Mania games. Looks like it's a play area for kids. Perhaps, and then there's Woody and Jesse signing autographs. Taking pictures. Oh, Woody actually signs now. Huh. He doesn't stamp anymore. How funny. For the longest time, he stamped. Okay. The overhead uh, Christmas lights are very cute. I'm sure at night they light up. It's not nighttime right now, so I can't tell. But I'm sure that they do. They have the Pixar ball sitting there. 
Destiny. Was I mistaken? Is that on a play area for kids? No, it looks like it's the exit for Toy Story. Okay. Have you come out this way? Got it. All right. Looks like there's a restaurant, counter service restaurant over there. Grilled sandwiches, grown up drinks, ice cream floats, desserts. You can see there's a little stand there. This looks very much like County Fair-ish. I'm telling you, it looks it looks like Dino Land uh, with the um the, where the aliens are and you know the um the, the aliens, the way the dinosaurs are and the way they you know it feels like you're having to go through um uh, an old uh, old town roadside stand. It feels like that here too. It's kind of funny. I do have that distinct impression. All right, so here's the alien swirling saucers. saucers. I watched a video of these the other day. They're very cute, um, the way they run. It's sort of, kind of, maybe a little bit like um, the teacups, though it's, it runs a lot differently. Huh, okay. I'm going to watch a little bit of them and see how they run. And I did notice that at night, it's a completely different experience than during the day because the way everything lights up and changes, it makes it more confusing and more fun in a way. Okay, so it's not exactly like the um, teacups. You'd have no control over it and you're moving from one table to another throughout the, throughout the ride. And it's big because it's got several different sections that uh, all connect together in some way. So you're just moving around between the sections, it looks like. Very clever, very cute. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That looks like uh, Toy Story Land. Off in the distance, I can see part of um, the construction for Star Wars Land. And uh, that looks interesting. It looks, you know, it's got this certain feel to it, the cinematic feel, even from the backside where it's not completed. You can kind of see it from here that it looks like it's, uh, it's got a pretty good, uh, pretty good thing going on. It definitely looks like Slinky Dog Dash is longer than uh, Goofy's Barnstormer or the Great Goofini, whatever it's called now. Uh, it's definitely a, um, a longer attraction, and they have a section right out front for the rider swap, which I think is terrific because a lot of kids are going to want to go on it, and their little brothers and sisters may not be able to go. And I think that's terrific that they have the uh, rider swap set up so they can just go ahead and start uh, uh, helping the parents out right away, so the parents can ride on it with their older children. That's pretty cool. I like it. Anyway, overall, I think it's cute. I think it's clever. I think it's, uh, it lives up to the idea of, um, of Toy Story. Do I love it? No. Again, I'm you know, maybe marginally disappointed by it. I don't dislike it, but I'm maybe a little bit disappointed by it. And by the way, the drumming you hear is the Green Army Men, a drummer corps that's kind of coming along and coming through the area. Fun. And that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. Now, before I let you go, I want to have one public service announcement that I'd like to make. Remember that it's election time, midterm elections, and elections always have consequences. Whether you like the people serving in power or you don't like the people serving in power, your opportunity to vote and continue to keep them in or to vote them out comes now because it's time to, to vote again. So I would encourage you to go out there and vote. Make your voice heard. Make yourself a part of the uh, system instead of just complaining about the system if you do complain about it. So get out there and vote. November 6th is the general election day, but in many states, especially in Florida, early voting is ongoing now, so you can get out and vote anytime you like. Or if you have a mail-in ballot, remember to send it in. 
But remember to get out there and exercise your right to vote. Half the world dreams of voting in a democracy like ours. Don't take it for granted. Don't ever take it for granted because one day it may not be there. That's always a possibility. If we don't vote enough, it's always a possibility that it could leave us. So please, take some time, get out there and vote. Make a plan, take a friend, whatever you need to do, just get out there and vote. That's my public service announcement for today. So that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gilles. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.